Hello, hello, hello. Jan Goldstein. And this is all that matters. Have you ever spoken truth to power? I know we all wish we were that person. Or hope to be that person. Or maybe have been that person. I don't think I've always been that person. And I think... I'm probably like most of you. And then again, there are those moments in life where we rise to the occasion. Now, what I'm about to tell you is a little misleading, but not altogether. For this is the time that I said no to Tom Cruise. It starts with a very remarkable human being who I met while I was teaching at a school and his mom who was the head of that school Shirley Levine a remarkable woman who I've talked about before in these podcasts had sent her son who would become a district attorney off to Israel to study with a remarkable human being, Emmy Lichtenfeld, who had come out of the time of the Nazis developing a form of defense, a form of fighting and really counter-response, um, and ended up teaching it to people coming up on the streets, teaching it to others to defend themselves, to feel safe. The idea was never to attack, but to be able to have the confidence inside oneself, to defend oneself, but to walk in peace. Eventually, he would come to the new country of Israel that was just forming, and he would eventually be the one who would develop this form of self-defense into Krav Maga. And Darren's opportunity, years and years and decades later, was to join a group, a small group from the United States, to go over to Israel and to train with Emi and to develop the skills to perhaps be able to teach Krav Maga. Now, Darren who has turned out to be one of Los Angeles's great prosecutors of violent attacks, has a, I believe, 100% conviction record uh, and has put people who have hurt, particularly young people, away. Um, had a special knack and a special discipline and rose in the ranks And eventually, when he received his black belt in Krav Maga, it was Emi giving him his own black belt. If you can imagine such a thing, that you would rise to such a level to receive the master's own belt. And I remember Shirley telling me and Darren on many Many occasions, what a remarkable man Emi was. I had the good fortune to meet him, and um, it certainly is a topic for a whole other podcast, but a remarkable human being. And 
the incredible connection between Emi and Darren was something to see. At any point, I did train in Krav Maga to a certain extent. And later, of course, I had a very close relationship with Darren. I really felt and feel a very special connection with him. And knowing that I'm a writer, he and I began talking about things, and we developed this idea for a, for a movie that would feature Krav Maga, but would feature a character based on Emi who would come to the United States, who would, by the way, have one of his students that he trained be an African-American soldier who he had befriended and who they he had trained. And together, they came to address a problem in the Pacific Northwest, which was a problem that had to do, at, at the time, it was much in the news, of white supremacy and skinheads. And they were going to open a school and basically train a group of young teenagers in this form of self-defense so these these kids could defend themselves Um, and came here and, and would teach this Krav Maga. Now, this is some years back. And anyway, we were very excited, and we went back and forth and created a treatment for this and storyline and so forth began writing this and i remember the day uh i had a meeting with a certain producer in hollywood um who uh had a terrific track record and uh was open to the pitch um where we basically tell the idea and kind of act it out and describe it and Pitches are interesting animals all their own because some people just sit in a chair and tell the story. Some people get on top of the chair and tell the story. Some people run around the room. However you choose to do it, I'm a sort of a theatrical sort of character, so I sort of embodied and told the, the story and sort of acted out little parts of it. And at the end, this uh, I remember this producer was just beaming. I mean, just beaming. And when you get that kind of reaction um, for anyone in any part of life where you're trying to either sell something or communicate something, convey something, and people react with enthusiasm, you get that back. It's, it's you know, it's like it's pretty heady stuff. And um, it, it was a remarkable moment. I love it. I absolutely love it. We're absolutely going to make this film, the producer says. And then he hits me with it. But can we age the Emi character? Can we age that character down from their 70s to, to, to their 30s? I said, what? You know, this is a whole story with the backdrop of the Holocaust and, and this fighter emerging out of this violent time capable of teaching his own town his own village and so forth how to defend itself uh, on the streets um, coming to a nascent Israel and forming and teaching the Israel defense forces and and eventually developing this worldwide self-defense crop Magab drawn on 
all different forms of uh, fighting uh, and, and, and eventually coming to the United States now with one of his uh, dear friends and, and, and who is himself an American who has grown up fighting his own battles. And eventually they're going to take on these young people and, and teach them how to stand up for themselves, how to, how to feel confident, how to be able to walk the streets in peace, not to pick a fight, but to be able to be prepared in case a fight comes to them. And I, I was just stunned. All the air inside of me absolutely left my body. And I looked at him. I said, age the character down. How would he possibly have gone through the Holocaust? How would he possibly have fought in World War II? How would he possibly have developed the Israel Defense Forces in 48? Well, he wouldn't. Because I'll tell you who I'm going to get for the part. Tom Cruise. And I nearly, you know, keeled over. First of all, who in their right or wrong mind wouldn't want to take a meeting with a producer if you wanted to write a film and have a producer tell you, we're going to get Tom Cruise for that role? Well, that would be remarkable. But for this story, I said, wait a minute. <laughs> if, if you see that character as Tom Cruise, then the whole past in the in in the holocaust as they say in world war ii israel all of that falls by the wayside yeah the producer says as if yeah he's following right that's what's going to happen i said wait a minute this becomes an entirely different story and i can write you a completely different story but it's not this story and then i said the two-letter word that stopped the meeting. No. No to Tom Cruise. No, not this story. This story is too precious and is grounded in too much real history. And I knew Darren would stay true to Emi and to the background of this story that he wanted to tell. And I knew that I would. And it was in that moment, I knew the meeting was over. We shook hands. We agreed to disagree. And I walked out of that office. The feeling you have when you walk out, when you in a way have been rejected because the idea that you thought you were pitching was accepted, was delightfully accepted and enthusiastically accepted, except they wanted to make all the changes. It's like walking in and telling the story, I suppose, of Joan of Arc, and they say, that's absolutely great. Oh, what a wonderful story, but I'd like to make that character an American. I'd like to make that character, oh, let's age them up to their 40s, and I'd like to make it a man. Well, now you've completely <laughs> taken the foundation away from the story. It's a story of a teenage girl uh, who has visions and all kinds of things and in France. So you get the picture. And I will tell you to this day, that was the right reaction to have. As much as it stung and as much as it hurt, I realized this producer didn't get it. 
he, something about the story he liked. He, he, he definitely loved the pitch, at least a kernel of the pitch, but he wasn't getting the whole story and the breadth and the connection of these two older men who had fought in this terrible battle of World War II and, and against this terrible evil of the Nazis. And now here we were facing the, you know, the, the descendants of the Nazis, these skinheads, these white supremacists, these, those who use the swastika once again. Uh, and, and we were going to combat, take the, take the arc from World War II until the present day. And that whole first half certainly first third of the film and the story were gone. So here's what I want to tell you all about that. I learned that, yes, we can speak truth to power. And sometimes when we're defending the truth, the truth is more important than your name up on the screen. And the truth is more important than the yes that you crave more than anything except if it means going beyond the pale, going beyond a line you must not cross. There are lines like that for each of us where we have to say no, where we have to be prepared to stand up for something much more important than that yes. And that is commitment to the truth, both here in America, in our own lives, the world, throughout the globe, each one of us has our ability to speak truth to power by saying there are things we must stand up for. The philosopher Abraham Joshua Heschel said, to be is to stand for. I think at that moment, I learned a little bit about what I stand for. There are moments in your lives, I'm sure, where you've learned the same. Here's to those moments and more of them. To know what we stand for is to know the purpose of our lives. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters.